Section 9 of Up One Pair of Stairs of My Bookhouse. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Eaton. Up One Pair of Stairs of My Bookhouse. Edited by Olive Beaupre Miller. Snow White and Rose Red by Wilhelm and Jacob Grimm. A poor widow once lived in a little cottage that had a garden in front of it, and in this garden grew two beautiful rose trees. One of these trees bore white roses and the other red. Now the good woman had two children who were just like the rose trees. One was named Snow White and the other Rose Red, and they were the sweetest, kindest, most industrious and cheerful little maids in all the world. Rose Red loved to run and skip over fields and meadows, picking nosegays of flowers and chasing the beautiful butterflies. But Snow White was quieter and more gentle than her sister. She remained at home with her mother, either helping her with her work or reading aloud to her when their work was done. The two children loved each other so dearly that they always went hand in hand whenever they were out together. And if Snow White said to her sister, We will never leave each other, Rose Red always answered, No, not while we live. Then the mother would add, Whatever one has, let her always share with the other. They often roamed together in the woods, gathering berries, and no beast ever even offered to hurt them. On the contrary, all the animals came up to them in the most trustful and affectionate manner. The little hare would nibble a cabbage leaf from their very hands, the deer grazed beside them, the stag leapt past them joyous and free, the birds never stirred from their branches at their approach, but sang to them in perfect security. No evil ever befell them. If night overtook them in the wood, they laid themselves down on the moss and slept until morning, and their mother was satisfied they were safe and was never anxious about them. Once when they had passed the night in the woods and were awakened by the bright morning sun, they saw a beautiful child in a shining white dress sitting close by their resting place. She rose when they opened their eyes and looked at them kindly, but she said not a word and vanished from their sight. When the children looked about them, they saw that they had slept on the edge of a precipice, over which they would certainly have fallen, had they gone two steps further in the darkness. Their mother told them that the beautiful child must have been the angel who watches over good children. Snow White and Rose Red kept their mother's cottage so clean and neat that it was a pleasure even to look into it. In the summer, Rose Red looked after the house and placed by her mother's bed every morning before she awoke a nosegay in which was a rose from each of the rose trees. In the winter, Snow White lit the fire and put the kettle on after scouring it so that it shone like gold. In the evening, when the snowflakes fell, the mother said, Snow White, go and bolt the door. Then they drew round the fire and the good woman read aloud to the children from a large book while the girls listened and busied themselves at spinning. Beside them lay a lamb, and behind perched a little white dove, with its head tucked under its wing. One evening, as they all sat thus cosily together, a knock was heard at the door, as if someone desired to enter. Quick, Rose Red, open the door, said the mother. It must be some traveller in need of shelter. Rose Red accordingly shot back the bolt, expecting to see a poor man, but it was no such thing. It was a bear who thrust his great black head in at the open door. Rose Red cried out and sprang back. The lamb bleated, 
the dove fluttered her wings, and Snow White hid herself behind her mother's bed. But the bear began to speak and said, "'Don't be afraid. I will do you no harm. I am half frozen, and only wish to warm myself by your fire.' "'Poor bear,' said the mother. "'Lie down by the fire. Only take care you don't burn your fur.' Then she called Snow White and Rose Red to come out of their hiding-places. "'This bear,' she said, "'is a good kind creature, and will do you no harm.' So the children obeyed, and by degrees the lamb and the dove drew near too, and they all forgot their fear. "'Children,' said the bear, "'knock a little of the snow off my coat.' So they fetched the broom and swept the bear's coat quite clean, after which he stretched himself out before the fire and growled quite happily and comfortably. Before long the children and the bear and the lamb and the dove were all good friends, and Snow White and Rose Red began to sport with their unexpected guest.' tugging at his thick fur, or putting their feet on his back, and rolling him over and over. Then they took a thin hazel twig, and tickled him with it, and when he growled they laughed. The bear submitted to everything with the best possible good nature. Only when they went a little too far, he cried, "'Children, children, leave me an inch of my life!' When night came, and all prepared to go to bed, the widow said to the bear, "'You can stay here and lie on the hearth all night if you like.' it will shelter you from the cold and snow. The bear accepted the offer gratefully, but as soon as the day dawned, the two children let him out, and he trotted over the snow back into the woods. From this time on, the bear came every evening at the same hour, laid himself down by the fire, and let the children play whatever pranks they liked with him. Soon they grew so attached to their strange playfellow that the door was never bolted of an evening until he had made his appearance. But when spring came, and everything outside was green and bright, the bear said one morning to Snow White, "'I must leave you now, and I will not be able to return all summer.' "'Where are you going, dear bear?' asked Snow White. "'I must go to the woods,' answered the bear, "'to protect my treasure from the bad dwarfs. "'In the winter, when the ground is frozen hard, "'they are obliged to stay shut up underground, "'and cannot work their way out. "'But now that the sun has thawed the earth, "'they find their way up to the surface,' and are ever on the watch for what they can steal, and whatever touches their hands or reaches their caves, rarely if ever sees daylight again. Snow White was very sorrowful when she took leave of the good-natured beast, and unbolted the door that he might depart. In passing out, his fur was caught on a hook, and as a bit was torn out, Snow White fancied that she saw something shine like gold underneath it, but he passed out so quickly that she did not feel sure what it was, and in a twinkling, he had disappeared among the trees. A short time after this, the mother sent her children out into the woods to gather sticks. They soon came upon a large tree, which lay felled on the ground, and among its roots, half hidden by the grass, they saw something jumping and hopping about, but what it was they could not make out. When they drew nearer, they saw it was a dwarf with an old withered face, and a snow-white beard a yard long. The end of the beard was caught tight in a cleft in the tree, The little fellow was springing backwards and forwards like a dog at the end of a rope, but he could not get free. He glared at the children with his fiery red eyes and screamed out, "'What are you standing there for? Can't you come and help me?' "'What have you been doing, little man?' asked Rose Red. "'You silly goose!' cried the dwarf. "'I wanted to split the tree that I might get shavings for our kitchen. Those great thick logs, such as are needed to cook the great mountains of provisions that are devoured by coarse, greedy folk like you.' would quite burn up the little food we cook. 
I had successfully driven in the wedge, and should soon have done what I wanted, when the wedge sprang unexpectedly out of the cleft, which closed again quickly over the end of my beautiful white beard. So here I am stuck fast and I cannot get away. Stupid simpletons, why do you stand there and laugh and do nothing? In spite of the little man's ill temper, the girls did all in their power to set him free, but in vain. The beard was wedged in far too firmly. I will run and fetch someone to help, said Rose Red. Idiot, screeched the dwarf. Why go and fetch more dunderheads? Here are two too many already. Can't you think of anything better? Don't be so impatient, said Snow White. I will try to do something, and taking out her scissors, she snipped the end off the dwarf's beard, thus setting him free at once. But for all that, did he say thank you? No, never a bit of it. Drat you, you ninnies, for cutting my beautiful beard, he cried as soon as he felt himself free, and seizing a bag of gold which was hidden among the roots of the tree, he made off into the woods without even so much as a backward look at the children who had helped him. Shortly after this, Snow White and Rose Red went out to fish in the brook. As they drew near the water, they saw something that looked like a great grasshopper jumping toward the stream, as though just about to leap in. They ran to see what it could be, and recognised the very same old dwarf. "'Where are you going?' asked Rose Red. "'Surely you can't mean to jump into the water.' "'I'm not such a fool,' screamed the dwarf. "'Don't you see that horrid fish is pulling me in?' The little man had been sitting on the bank fishing, when, unfortunately, the wind entangled his beard in the line, and as a large fish directly afterwards took the bait, the disagreeable little fellow was not strong enough to pull the creature out. So the fish got the upper hand, and was dragging the dwarf in after it. Though he caught at every stick and twig within reach, that did not help him much. He was forced to follow every move of the fish, and was in continual danger of being drawn into the water. The girls came up, just in time, and did all they could to disentangle his beard from the line, but in vain. They were too surely twisted together. Nothing was left to do, but use the scissors again. So Snow White cut off a very small piece of the beard. But when the dwarf saw what the girls were about, he cried in a rage, "'Is this the way you ruin a fellow's face? Blockheads! I wish you had lost your way before ever you came this road. Was it not enough to shorten my beard before you must be spoiling it altogether?' Then he fetched a bag of pearls that lay among the brushes, hobbled away and vanished behind a stone. It happened soon after this that the mother sent her children to town to buy thread, needles, ribbons and lace. Their road led over a heath, where great rocks lay scattered about. As they trudged along, their attention was soon drawn to a huge bird that hovered about above them. It circled nearer and nearer the earth, till at last it dashed suddenly down among a mass of rocks. At once they heard a sharp piercing cry, and running to the spot they saw to their horror that the eagle had pounced upon their old acquaintance, the dwarf, and was about to carry him off. The tender-hearted children did not for a moment hesitate. Taking firm hold of the little man, they struggled stoutly to free him from the eagle, and after much rough handling on both sides, the dwarf remained at last safe in the hands of his courageous little friends, while the great bird flew away. But for all that, did the little man say thank you? No, never a bit of it. When he had in a degree recovered from the shock, he cried in his thin cracked voice, "'Couldn't you have handled me more gently? Look at my little coat. It's all torn to shreds. You useless, awkward hussies!' He then seized a sack of precious stones and vanished under the rocks. 
The girls were by this time quite accustomed to his thankless manner, so they went on their way and did their errands in town. On their way home, as they were again passing the heath, they once more came unexpectedly upon the ugly dwarf. He had emptied out his sack of precious gems, and was counting them over, for he never thought anyone would be crossing the heath so late. The setting sun shone on the brilliant stones, and they gleamed and glittered so beautifully that the children stood still to admire them. The face of the dwarf grew scarlet with rage as he saw them. "'Greenhorns! What are you standing there gaping at?' he cried, and was about to make off to his cave when a loud growl suddenly stopped him. Out of the woods came a great black bear. The dwarf, in a fright once more, tried to escape to his hiding place, but the bear was right upon him. Then the little man cried out in terror. "'Dear Mr. Bear, I beg you, spare me. I'll give you all my treasure. Only look at all those beautiful gems. What pleasure would you get from gobbling up such a little fellow as I? You wouldn't even get a taste of me. But look at those two wicked girls. There, lay hold of them. They would be tender morsels, and are as fat as quails. Pray take them, good Mr. Bear, and let me go.' The bear, however, was not to be moved by his words. He gave the evil little creature one blow with his paw, and that was the end of him once and for all. In the meantime the girls had run away towards home, but the bear called after them. "'Snow White, Rose Red, don't be afraid. I will go with you.' Then they recognised his voice and stood still, and when the bear had come near them, the bearskin suddenly fell to the ground, and there stood before them a handsome young man dressed in gold. "'I am a king's son,' said he, "'but was doomed by that wicked dwarf who stole my treasure,' to run about the woods in the form of a bear, until I should be set free by his death. Now he has got his well-earned punishment. Snow White married the prince, and Rose Red his brother, and they divided between them the great treasure which the dwarf had collected in his cave. The good mother lived for many years peacefully with her children, but when she left her cottage, she carried with her the two rose trees, and they stood before her window, and continued every year to bear the most beautiful red and white roses. End of section 9